Morning, team. Wednesday morning in London town, August the 17th already. You're probably on holiday, you're probably podcasting this programme, so you're probably hearing it in, in September, I should imagine. So welcome to September, which is quite nice for you. If you're on your holidays at the moment, enjoy. I know a lot of people are going away. In fact, uh, a friend of mine, Billy, is going away. Uh, in fact, he's probably getting ready to go to the airport now. They've got one of those early morning flights. I've forgotten where he's going, but it's, it's somewhere that's going to be very, very hot. And I've told him he can get cheap Ray-Ban sunglasses, so that can only be good news. If he remembers to bring me back a pair, it'll be even better news. Uh, apparently, Mark Wright from The Only Way is Essex, poor deluded creature, uh, is serious about a Hollywood career. Without irony, he's been telling people, I've been told I could be as big as Tom Cruise. I think they mean fat, dear. I don't think they mean anything else. I don't think they're actually looking at talent. I don't think they're thinking that you could be an actor or something like that. Interestingly enough, uh, Mark Wright's best friend is that convicted thug and who spent time in prison, Jack Tweed, who has just been told by a judge to grow up. And uh, at 24, poor little Jack, little bit of a mummy's boy, sitting at home, but not a very nice person at all. And can you forgive a junkie priest, a junkie vicar? They've got one in, uh, in Kefili... And his name is Brian Morris. He was jailed for 12 years for drug dealing. So we weren't exactly talking like a couple of raps, were we? We're talking something quite serious here. And, and he also admitted that he had a £100 a day heroin habit and he was smuggling cocaine. But now, of course, he's a pastor and that means it's all OK. And so they voted for him in this place. He's married with five children. Released from jail after five years and trained to be a pastor at a Baptist church. And a member of his congregation said, it shows all these yobs who've been in writing in the streets there is a way ahead. I know, it's good, isn't it? The trouble is, he is 57. You're going to have to wait a long time for all the yobs on the streets to actually see the error of their ways. They will when they actually get to be adult. And it's, but it's just going to take a long, long time. Interesting hearing some of the people. Still feelings are running quite high, aren't they? People you know, who have been stopped by the police. And then you get, you get a lot of people who say, yes, I've been stopped by the police. Then Christo had loads of people who said, I've never been stopped by the police. Never been stopped by the police at all. Can't understand, you know, why. And if you are stopped by... I was always told years ago that if you get stopped by the police, either for a motoring offence or... I mean, it doesn't really matter what it is. You're just supposed to be polite. If you start cheeking them, they're going to come down on you heavy because they are, in inverted commas, the law. Okay, they are people who are in a job to protect other people. And if they go, have you done this? It's like um, uh, Jim Davidson, the in inverted commas comic, was stopped by by the police and asked if he was if he was driving the car. And he said, "Well, can I nominate somebody?" They said, "Well, you know." And so he he was arrested and he's been banned from driving, I think, because he was being stupid. He thought he was being clever. But if you start being clever with the police, they're going to come down and they're going to slap the back of your little legs. So it's no good standing there with all your friends thinking you're being big and clever, going, yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you're just going to end up, all your friends are going to go, yeah, we don't like the police. Whereas, in fact, the first time you have a robbery or the first time, you know, you're knifed because you're in a gang and things like that, the first people you're going to call on are the police to try and sort out who actually did it. And they all troop off to the hospital, expecting... I mean, I would say to them, I'm terribly sorry, no, you've been in a gang fight, you better go and you've got to pay for this surgery. OK, you want all this, you know, want us to look after you. I wouldn't want to work in A&E. Dreadful. We talked the other day on the programme, strangely, and it's amazing how these things pop up, about Nicholas Lindhurst, who plays down very much um, how successful he has been. A little bit like... Um, who was the bloke in, oh, Heartbeat, Nick Berry, who, who decided to retire from acting years ago now and just grows stuff on a garden and takes the kids off to school. And he said, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Nicholas Linters, of course, best known for playing Rodney Trotter. I met him once. He's very quiet. He's very quiet. Uh, he's about to appear as the jester 
in Trevor Nunn's new production of The Tempest, as they've done an interview with him. And it's fascinating. He enjoys surfing and stuff like that. And uh, they say here, has playing Rodney in Only Fools and Horses overshadowed the rest of your career? He says, no, I've been a major contributor to one of the best comedy programmes this country has produced. Very proud of it. I've done a lot before it, since and during it. Fools was a fantastic show to do. Biggest career disappointment... John Sullivan, who, of course, died back in April. He said it was, it was such a, a privilege working with him. His first professional role was as an extra. And the perks of fame, he says, I can't think of any. I'm not the sort of person who walks into an establishment and says, it's me, do something about it, he says, which seems to be in the fashion. I would die of embarrassment. He's that sort of person. He really is. Jim Davidson, incidentally, um, six-month ban. Six-month ban. He was at the wheel of his speeding Aston Martin. Denied failing to provide information about the driver was fined a thousand quid with seven hundred and fifty pounds cost. He already had six points on his license. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star Russell Armstrong has been found dead after an apparent suicide, and we're told this morning that uh, is it Bert Russell is being kicked out of his house because uh, he hasn't paid the mortgage. I think it's Bert Russell. Was it Bert Russell? Somebody like that. And, and I remember thinking, oh, that's a shame, really. All these people you think have got loads of money. Do they not have? the system in in America that we have here, where you've got Brinsworth, and we can look after people who've fallen on hard times. I mean, I should imagine... Not, it's not Bert Russell, is it? What's his blimmin'? Not, um, oh, it'll come to me in a minute. But anyway, I mean, you would think that if people fall on hard times, they would, they would look after them in America. Same as we do over here. We've got lots of famous people in homes, looked after by the generosity of you, Simon Cowell as well, because he gives a lot of money to the Entertainment Artist Benevolent Fund. He doesn't talk about it. But I'm telling you now, he gives a lot of money. So he, he puts back into the industry. He really puts back into the industry. The Royal Variety Performance, which we go to and we fill up and we love, money from that goes to Brinsworth and the other houses, the Entertainment Artists Benevolent Fund look after. And it's for people in show business who've fallen on hard times. And it's, it's really good. Do you know who's still alive? And I didn't know he was still alive. Jimmy Young. Jimmy Young is going back to do a radio programme for his 90th birthday. I'm only giving him an hour, poor soul. <laughs> get more than that here but uh, he had nearly three decades of working on the radio the jimmy young show was kind of legendary but a bit bit like pete murray but he's going to go back to mark his 90th birthday how would you could you cram somebody's career into night into uh, into a one-hour program probably not probably not but it's very interesting that yesterday we mentioned the footballer chelsea footballer john obi Mikel's father and apparently it is a gang who've taken him. They kidnapped his father, and they've now made contact with the family. Quite clearly, they're going to be looking for money. Quite clearly looking for money. And the most senior Brit at McDonald's quit yesterday to take over the running of Pizza Express. I thought Pizza Express did quite well, didn't it? I know, that, remember McDonald's went through a funny period where they, they sort of tried to get over the fact that they were tasteless burgers and it wasn't very healthy for people with supersize and all this kind of stuff going on. And so they then introduced salads and then tried to make out that it was really healthy. And, and yet, really, all it's deep fried. And the burger. I've never actually seen them making the burgers there. I did watch the, the bread being made in Marks and Spencer's the other day. You know, the baguettes that you buy. You know, they're frozen. They come in frozen and they just put them on the trays and kind of crisp them up. I was a bit disappointed, actually. I thought they were mixing the dough out the back. I know I'm so naive when it comes to things. I like to think of traditional values in this country, you know, and people making the bread and kneading it back and then shaping it into that... That kind of shape that they make of baguettes, which the French seem to like, but there again, they are the French. And, and then they put it on, the, and they all came out and they were put on the trays. And I thought, oh, how disappointing. 
It's not the same, is it? I love the idea that we've had Brad and Angelina out our neck of the woods. They've obviously read the news reports and decided West London seems a fairly nice place to be. And then yesterday they chartered a train, an entire train, for a trip to Scotland. You can do this. If you're apparently you're very rich or you're a football team, you can actually charter a complete train and they will put on, you know, extra carriages or whatever you want. And, and you could just have a train. How cool is that? So uh, here they all were, getting on to this, uh, this Pottermad family on the Hogwarts Express... And uh, they obviously had a very nice time. I love it. I love travelling by train. It's quite. It's, it's a good thing to do if, if you haven't got anything else to do. It's either that or go on the river for the day. And the amount of people I've spoken to recently, they said, is it worth going on the river? I said, absolutely. Go, go take a riverboat trip. You'll love it. You will love it. It's very peaceful. You can kind of forget about all the stuff that's going on in the, uh, in the world. Uh, 84850. Uh, Chavez says, in regard to the topic about the police... I'm 20 years old. I do drive a flash BMW convertible for my age. But your insurance is uh, it's not worth talking about. Draws a lot of attention from the police as they think the car's either stolen or hasn't got insurance. Well, no, it's got nothing to do with insurance because they don't need to stop you for that. They can read your number plate into their computer and within five seconds they know, A, who the car's registered to, whether you've got tax, insurance, MOT or you're driving whilst disqualified. They know that without stopping you at all. Uh, but if the car's been reported stolen... They're always interested. They're always interested. And um, it says here, I've got sick of the police's excuse every time for pulling me over, and they should simply note on their database that a young driver is legally driving the car. I've even been breath-tested at 2pm because that was their excuse for checking the car over when I clearly told them I don't drink. It's the fact you're driving a flash car. It is the problem that if you look young and you're driving a flash car, you kind of have to put up with it. It's kind of, it comes with the territory. And you yourself have admitted you're driving a flash BMW. Although, to be brutally frank with you, I don't think BMWs are flash anymore. I think they might have been some years ago with City Boys. But now you see a BMW, they're a little bit naff, I'm afraid. They're a little bit naff. They're a little bit sort of passe. You know, you should really be driving a Mercedes. But I should imagine your insurance must be through the roof, 20 years old, unless it's a really old BMW. Your idea of flash might be blacked out windows and jacked up, you know... Uh, at the back, so you've got lights underneath it, because I've seen some pretty poor excuses for BMWs. So that's why you have to... It comes with the territory. I mean, I've never been stopped once, and I'm driving what I think is a fairly flash car, but uh, sometimes I kind of, I'm kind of willing them to stop me. I think they look in and think, old fat bloke, <laughs> it's not bother stopping him. <laughs> so there's no point, is there? But if, if, if I looked younger, you know, then I would probably get stopped as well. But if, if you're young and you're black and you're Asian, there is a higher a higher percentage of you who will be stopped by the police because they look at the car and think, it's a very flash car, and they have to check. And it's and all you have to do is just smile and go, do you know I've been stopped 30 times? If it becomes a problem and you get stopped a lot, then you can make official complaints and say, listen, I've now been stopped 20 times. It's now beginning to get beyond a joke. But they never stop you for insurance because they know whether you've got the insurance by just driving past you. The little cars you see on the streets, those little smart cars with a little up periscope in the middle... They're there to detect whether you've got insurance or not, because it's all on one database. You can't do the excuse now that uh, uh, the insurance, uh, I'm just going to get the insurance or the tax is in the post. If, if you're on the road, you have to have tax and insurance. It's as simple as that. And you've got to have a current MOT. And if you haven't got it, they're going to come and take your car away. Quarter past five. These are the headlines. Forty firefighters have been tackling a fire at a shop in Brixton, which had already been burnt out during last week's riots. It broke out of Foot Locker on Brixton Road at around 11 o'clock last night. The London Fire Brigade have told LBC it's not linked to any civil disturbances. 
A British man reportedly on honeymoon has died after a shark attack in the Seychelles. 30-year-old Ian Redman from Lancashire was snorkelling when it happened. And today's the last day for applications to become the next Commissioner of the Met Police. The top job at Scotland Yard became vacant last month when Sir Paul Stevenson resigned in the wake of the phone hacking scandal. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's Jay Louis. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Well, due to the fire that we've been hearing... Morning, every uh, James Max in for James O'Brien this week. Next week, it's Jackie Smith. Yes, the Jackie Smith, and she'll be sitting... It's going to be very interesting. I think she's going to be quite feisty. I think she's going to be quite feisty. I've done an in-conversation with her, and um, we, we talk about all sorts of things. She's actually got a great personality. Great personality, as indeed you would expect her to have, and I think she's going to be very good. She's a bit like Anne Whittacombe little bit like Anne, who's, uh, who's asked somebody to sit. She was watching, apparently, Dragon's Den the other night, and somebody came on with a, an item, which I think is for elderly people to fill a hot water bottle without getting boiling hot water on yourself, and the, uh, the Dragon's Den people rejected it, because, to be quite honest, who has a blooming hot water bottle in this day and age, apart from, quite clearly, Anne Whittacombe? I mean, totally useless, totally useless. But anyway, Anne Whittacombe has said, what a marvellous idea, and if you'd like to sell me one, knowing damn well, he'd probably send her one for free, so she can then mention the company and the product. That's how it works, isn't it, the business? Guess what Kay Burley's had done? Kay Burley's just given herself a, a treat to celebrate her 50th birthday. She's had a facelift. At 50. I mean, I wasn't aware, actually, Kay Burley needed it. But uh, they say she's, um, she's had a, a subtle... Thing. It's very difficult. When they, when they put pictures in the paper and they go, this is before and after, in one of them, she's smiling. And you know, if you look in the mirror, smile. Every, you know, every wrinkle and every line will show up because that's your face. And then when you look very serious, there's no lines at all. And, and so I'm not sure whether she's had a facelift. Uh, Fiona Phillips says she shouldn't have had cosmetic surgery. Polly Hudson, whoever she is, says she should. I don't know who Polly Hudson is. Is she somebody we should know about? But she says uh, here, and because of her work in television, there's far more pressure on people. I mean, I'm expecting Ruth Langsford to get one, you know, very, very shortly, because she's got a very similar face. It's, it's, it's a face of women. If you see these people off the television, mainly women, you suddenly are struck by how thin they are. I mean, because television piles on the pounds. So if somebody looks fat on television, the chances are they might... I mean, if, if they just look normal, they're really thin. Have you ever seen Cheryl Cole close up? Painfully thin. Literally stick insect. If you see somebody like Judy Finnegan, I mean, there were pictures printed of Judy, uh, of her on holiday, when, you know, she didn't care, she was on holiday, she didn't have to make the best of herself, and she was wearing a bikini. And, uh, and it, it kind of meant that she looked overweight, and television made her look bigger. And if you get somebody like Kay Burley, she's like a sparrow. I promise you, there's nothing of her. Ruth Langsford, nothing of her at all. And so these people, their face goes a bit gaunt and they start getting panicky, so they have fillers and they have it all tightened up. And, and then you end up looking a bit like Barry Manilow. And we all thought Barry Manilow looked somewhat odd when we saw pictures of him. It's Bert Reynolds, incidentally, who's being evicted from his house. And that's why I, I, I question... Thank you for that, Colin. I uh, have to question what happens when these American stars, and they would make far more than the stars over here. You know, somebody who'd been in Coronation Street for five to ten years or 15 years wouldn't actually have a load of money because they would earn probably, I don't know, £100,000, £150,000 a year. And if you think that's, that's really good money, it's only people who go into films and become terribly, terribly successful. Not everybody who goes into films makes money. Some of them barely tick by. I shouldn't imagine the actor Mark Warren, who I love to pieces, uh, has actually stashed away a fortune. Somebody like Ricky Gervais would have stashed away a fortune. 
Because if you're very successful and you're on a roll and you hit America and America likes you and you can start playing stadiums and then you can release DVDs, then that's great. I should imagine as well, most top comics now have put away a fair bit. And that's why when you hear somebody like Burt Reynolds doesn't actually have any, any money and you start thinking, what, what has he done with it? Where is it all go- Because he must have earned millions, absolutely millions over the, over the years, but he, he couldn't afford to pay the mortgage. So the bank, and he's not paid it for a year, and the bank are now saying you've got to move out. And I'm thinking, I don't know how Burt Reynolds is, we'll probably find out a bit later on. I'm thinking perhaps he could have saved his money better unless he started paying alimony. And he might have started having to pay ex-wives. Spare a thought, how do you feel about a pensioner? Okay, he goes out shopping, his name is Patrick Hills, he was 74, and he suffered a diabetic attack which meant that he needed, um, he needed a sugar boost very quickly. He happened to have been shopping in the supermarket. And so he, uh, he go, he, he, he's, he's with his wife, I think Rosemary. He suddenly felt ill. He needed a sugar boost. So he goes through the, the, uh, the doors and it sets off the alarm. And a security guard says to him, excuse me, can I just check your bag? And he goes, I'm, having, I'm going into a diabetic you know, thingy, and I need some sugar from the car. So the, um, the security man says, well, I don't really care about that. We've just got to check that you haven't actually nicked anything. So, of course, he kicks off. Now, what I would have done is, if you are a diabetic and you are prone to having your, uh, your diabetic bits where you need that sugar rush, you normally carry it with you. You don't kind of leave it in the car, because if you're going shopping, it's a bit pointless having it in the car. Or failing that, what he should have done, really, is sent, said, all right, listen, I'll, I'll sort this out with you. The wife could have gone off to the car, picked up the stuff and come back, because it's only like a glucose tablet. Anything like that would have done. But... Um, the, the security man said, no, no, I've just got to check. And he said, I've got a receipt for the radio. He didn't actually go into the diabetic coma. He comes from, uh, from Norfolk. He said, my wife has, had paid the bill, but I was grabbed by the arm and apprehended for the wireless that I got. I said, please don't stop me, because I've got to get to my emergency kit in the car. It wouldn't actually be an emergency kit. It would just be a packet of sweets or something that you could get the, uh, the, uh, the rush from. The problem was, at the till, and I had it a short while ago, they hadn't taken the security tag off. So when he went through... It set it off. Now, I bought something about three months ago in Boots the Chemist, and I had a feeling when I walked out that the girl hadn't taken the tag off. She'd just scanned it, and I'd paid the thing over. I think it was a shaver or something like that, and I'd walked out. Every time I walked into every other shop, I set their alarms off. So, of course, it's a bit much when you're walking into a shop, you're setting the alarms off. This, this particular uh, bloke was given 20 quid, and, um, and he said, well, I, don't, I, want, I, don't want, I want more than that. I want a substantial sum to be sent to help for heroes and comic relief. So Tesco then sent him 100 quid. Seems fair enough, you know. It's, they're, they're not, they have to check people. If everybody walking out went, oh, sorry, I'm a diabetic, I've got to go to the car. And they go, yeah, well, let's, the wife can go to the car. You know, you have to check because, unfortunately, nowadays, people tell lies. I know it's awful, but they do. And people who do anything, if they've, if they've nicked something, they're not going to stand and go, yeah, I nicked it. It's a fair cop, like in all the old movies. But uh, Patrick's now called for a change in policy, which would allow a member of staff to fetch food for diabetics. Well, they do do that. They will do that. You don't need food. You just need to carry something with you. I used to carry things, but I, my, my sugar never goes down that low. But he says, there's no way I'd ever go in that store again. Well, stop being silly. It's a bit like talking to Jack Tweed, isn't it? Grow up. Don't be silly. It was just, a, you know, an enthusiastic security man. You might have nicked the radio. He didn't know. He had to check. Unfortunately, the thing was still in the box, and that was the, that was the problem. But don't get off your high horse and start doing some queenie fit, you know, because you should have carried some sweeties in your pocket. He said, every time I see a Tesco van, it makes me think about it. God, get over yourself. Dreadful. Uh, what else have we got in the paper today? I'm looking at these pictures of Kay Burley, actually. I'm thinking, I don't think she looks any different. 
I don't think she looks any different at all. She looks OK. Uh, a nightmare couple ordered from their home have uh, finally left after losing a £20,000 taxpayer-funded court case. Alan Grant and his partner, Sarah Slater, were told to go last August after neighbours complained of non-stop screaming and shouting. Do you remember Mikey Carroll, that ghastly oik from, uh, from Norfolk, who won the lottery and then went on a campaign to terrorise the neighbours? And then we told you yesterday that he tried to commit suicide because apparently he's now on benefits. Frankly, I'd take his blooming benefits away. I wouldn't pay somebody like that benefits. He won nine million quid and, and he's on benefits now because he's, he's thrown it all up against the wall and given it to people. And his ex-wife took a load of it. I went, ha, ha, ha. I'm glad. I'm glad. So now he's on benefits and he's depressed and he tried to kill himself. And, uh, and you think to yourself, but you've just wasted your life. You were stupid first time round. You know, the police actually set up a hotline directly for the neighbours there. 300 complaints against him for terrorising people. 300 complaints. And now he is expecting a little bit of sympathy from us. It ain't happening, pal. It ain't happening, I'm afraid. It's like being sympathetic to Jack Tweed, who said that in memory of his dear, dead wife, Jade, he's going to be a better person. Shame he didn't think about that the other two times he was sent to prison. Tried to strangle a taxi driver and then did an assault on a child. Ghastly piece of work. The good news is, though, that Jordan could be going into the Big Brother house because somebody's dropped out. Oh, I hope it's Sally Burko. We don't really want to see her in the Big Brother house. But Jordan, I don't know, darling, I mean, nobody had any idea that you were available. And then I thought, I think you are. You're not doing anything at the moment, are you? And it'll be good. Although you will know that you were only second choice. Sadly, not first choice. London's Biggest Conversation. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to uh, six. Rosie says, I was stopped a few years ago when driving home to Devon in the middle of the night. The police asked me if I was aware I was swaying over the road. I told them I'd driven non-stop from London and was tired. They were very kind and said, just follow them for the final three miles into the town where I live. How lovely. Wouldn't happen around here. I remember years ago, and I complained about it bitterly at the time, Terry Wogan's car broke down on the motorway. He was going in to do his radio programme, and uh, the police, very kindly, drove him to the studios. I can imagine if my car breaks down, I'll contact the local police, 999. Look, Steve Allen here. Um, is it possible you, one of your drivers can just take me into work? <laughs> I can imagine the response straight away. Uh, no mention of had I been drinking, says Rosie, which I hadn't. Well, that was interesting, because when we, when we read the last text, and, um, and uh, Gervais said at the end, uh, I've been breathalyzed when I clearly told them I don't drink. They don't know that. They don't know that. We've had people before, I don't drink. Well, you're weaving about it. I mean, we've all seen it. There was a car in front of us this morning who was weaving about, couldn't work out whether to go under the Piccadilly Tunnel or go the other side. And I thought, you've had a drink. You've had a drink. At this time of the morning, it's a pretty good chance people coming out of clubs have had a drink. But they don't know. You, I, I could actually sit there and they could say, um, we're going to breathalyse you. And I can go, I don't drink. And they go, well, that might be the case, but we have to, we have to breathalyse you anyway. There's, a, there's a, a piece in the standard from last night about a, a suspected teenage gang member who was stabbed to death on the day that David Cameron pledged to wage war on the disease of gang culture. It seems to me that they're either missing something in their life. I mean, when we were in gangs years ago, it was kind of like, it was just a game. We didn't actually think it was serious. You know, you're in a gang at school or whatever, but it, it, never, it never sort of degenerated into the stabbings today. This, uh, this young man um, was fighting. He was known to be, understood to be, a member of the Dagenham Boys... I mean, it's just just utterly stupid, isn't it? It's people with, with, with no hope for the future uh, and, and sort of nothing really to look forward to apart from being in a gang. You know, when we were in a gang, but, I mean, presumably th these gangs deal in drugs and then, you know, somebody disses somebody's girlfriend and then the next thing is... The funny thing was, his, his mother, when she was told, um, 
ran out into the road and became hysterical. And, uh, you know, whilst it's absolutely awful, I have no sympathy for anybody who's in a gang, I'm afraid, at all. I really have no sympathy. And I begin to wonder, do people know that their kids are in gangs? I mean, uh, you know, d- 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 we used to go around to somebody's house and we'd sit there and play records. I mean, the trouble is with these kids... Perhaps they don't tell their mothers. Perhaps they think they're being all big. Nothing big about being dead at 17, is there? Nothing big about that or being sent to prison. There's minister's sons in the paper, a respected Christian minister. I've never heard of him. But he's one of these people who, um, he's an evangelist minister who leads several Christian charities working in Africa. He's just come back from Ghana to discover his two boys have been accused of looting an Iceland store. I mean, it's amazing. There's one bloke who, who, who went in and, and looted an ice cream Went into a sweet shop and decided to take an ice cream, and he's now facing jail. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. But the Prime Minister has said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clamp down and we will put the rioters uh, to work. I did laugh, though. Do you remember the, t- the um, two blokes, two blokes, three, three blokes, who were using Facebook to incite violence? Four years prison. Four years prison. Now that's what you call a result. Four years. Kick them where it hurts. You go and spend time in prison. Although I'm now thinking to myself, I don't know, perhaps they'll pick up more, more bad habits in prison. But four years they got. And somebody else, who I think was using Twitter to try and motivate people. And, uh, and I think they got two years in prison. And that's why there's a picture in the, there's a story in the paper today of, of some woman complaining about the harsh sentences and saying, if you're an MP and you, and you nick you know, money, or you cheat on your expenses, you only get four months in prison, but uh, people for looting got, you know, a year and two years and eight months. She says, next time uh, this happens, I'm going out on the street with, with guns. This is some woman. I mean, quite clearly not all there in the brain department, I'm afraid. Uh, Chief Constable Chris Sims has it all wrong. The Birmingham top cop reckons we should show some compassion to last week's rioters. He feels sorry for many of those involved in looting and violence. Kids who've been in care most of their life. He calls them tragic offenders. And they've got a picture... Of a, of a young man who was accused of, uh, of a crime during the riots at 16. But to be honest with you, if you saw a picture of this person, you'd, you'd think he was, a, he was a, a 30-year-old. You've got no idea. Some of these kids today, they seem to... Perhaps they go to the gyms and they pump themselves... They don't actually have a job. That's why they can afford to go to the gyms. There's a looter who helped himself to the cone and two scoops of ice cream facing jail. He, w- he was appearing in court by chance of having Class A drugs, wandered into a confectionery shop that had been abandoned and took two scoops of coffee ice cream. Now, everybody knows, go for mint. Go for mint. Don't go for coffee. It's the worst flavour. Always get nicked for taking coffee ice cream. It's dreadful. But uh, there are people like that in the papers today. And then there's this, uh, this poor woman, Julia High, who's an immigration officer, and she's got a very nice uh, little terraced house... And uh, she's 55, and she goes out. She'd been away for less than two days. She took her parents to the proms at the Royal Albert Hall. She comes back, and there's a family of East European gypsies lounging on her sofa, drinking her wine. They've trashed her house completely. They were only in it for two days. They've trashed it. They threw all her um, things, and when she said to them, what are you doing here, as you would, quite calmly, I think, and uh, they offered her a glass of wine. They took all her wine, all her stuff was thrown out, they stole her carpets, five adults and three children now moved to a house nearby. Everything they threw out into the streets. I mean, who are these people? And so, and the police are doing nothing about this. A, a, a neighbour said, I looked in the window and saw a load of kids sleeping on the sofa and people around them. She hasn't got much family, so I thought it was a bit weird. That's the trouble in this country, nobody looks out for people, do they? Nobody looks out for people. You know, you should know what's going on in your neighbours. So when sort of strange people move in, you can call the police or whatever and go, listen, these people, I don't know who they are. 
got no idea. Get them, you know, get them checked out, and then the police can nip round. That's what the police are there for. They enjoy doing things like that. 84850, steve.lbc.co.uk. Uh, other stories in the paper today. David Hasselhoff has denied that he will represent the Netherlands in the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, because you know that he does have a big singing career in Germany. You know, David Hasselhoff has released albums very successfully. Surprising. I've never heard him sing, but I'm, I'm led to believe he does actually sing OK. I love my hot water bottle, says Jan. Nothing like something to warm your tootsies on when you live on your own. Oh, when you live on your own. I do, you see, I have got a hot water bottle. I have to be honest, if I'm feeling a bit ill, you know, and you've got some upset tummy or something like that, it's quite, it's quite nice to put a hot water bottle on your tummy. And uh, Mary says, I'm laying on my hot water bottle due to chronic head, face and ear pain and after burning myself yesterday morning. Not your day, is it, really? Things come in three, so you've had chronic head, face and ear pain. There you go, you've got the three things, so that's fine. Nothing else bad will happen now, but you've got... You've got to be ca- I'll tell you what you could do. You've got to be very careful. You know when you do a hot water bottle, and I learned to do them years ago, you don't just pour the hot water in and then screw the top on. You actually put the hot water in and then you push the air out of it. Because you don't want the thing to burst while you're in bed. And also, I think they should invent a hot water bottle that doesn't go cold by the, by the morning. Because you get to it in the morning and you put your face... <laughs> cold, isn't it? Uh, Steve, I've only just discovered LBC. I'm in Edinburgh. How could you be so bright and breezy at this time of the morning? Diabetes. And, uh, you know, sure, I'm being really good, you know. Normally, in the morning, I might be tempted to have a biscuit... Uh, or a piece of cake, or just a little tiny... I mean, hardly... Feed a mouse. A little tiny thing like that. Nothing. Nothing for now, the best part of a week. In fact, just over a week. I've had no cake, no biscuits, I've had no bread, I've had no butter. I'm doing quite well, actually. Even I'm quite surprised. We're getting quite quite good readings at the moment. Doing a 6.1 this morning, 5.3 yesterday morning, so it's not bad. It's not bad. I wish I was as lucky as Lisa Alderson. Lisa Alderson scooped two lottery wins on the same day. Uh, she bagged almost 67,000 when she matched five numbers in the bonus ball and also one on hot picks. How sickening. <laughs> she got £450 on hot picks. Wouldn't you just want to do that today? Obviously not, no. Not everybody does the lottery, strangely enough. I thought people, people were still doing it, but uh, it's pitifully small, I'm afraid. Steve says, Lynn nearly got run over on a pelican crossing two days ago. Lights on red, elderly couple, baby and buggy, myself crossing, young guy speeding, just didn't stop. I'll tell you what, there was a car the other day, I wish I'd had a walking stick, I'd have rammed it into the side of his car, because he, he, he jumped lights as people were crossing. And we were crossing a set of lights this morning, and some bloke at Piccadilly Circus didn't take any notice of the red lights and just crossed in front of us. Really appalling. I mean, there is that danger if you're pushing a buggy. You do get these people, generally illegal minicab drivers. Generally illegal minicab drivers. Chris Evans has dyed his hair, he was, uh, he was grey last week, and now he's gone back to being red again. Must be quite interesting if you are red-headed and you have to go and dye it red, which I quite I quite like that idea. That's what makes me makes me smile just a little bit. Here's more on Jack Tweed. Been told to grow up after escaping a jail term for assault. He really is a nasty little piece of work, actually. What do you do for a living, Jack? You just hang around on the curtails of uh, of little uh, Mark Wright. He was also cleared of using threatening behaviour a fortnight ago. Um, I think you really need to try and become an adult, you know, because you're not really much use to anybody at the moment, Jade or anybody else. And let's face it, it was only a very brief marriage, wasn't it? And you did milk it for... Oh, my goodness me. Gavin Henson, naked in the papers today. They're still trying to flog this this dreary programme on Channel 5, The Bachelor. Gavin Henson is The Bachelor. What they should have said is Gavin Henson is boring. That's why he's still single. He is dull, dull, dull. You can't... You won't meet anybody more plank-like. 
you know, most peculiar looking face. And uh, obviously somebody who sort of likes to work out and keep himself trim. But uh, I should imagine among his, uh, his friends who play butch rugby, he must be a bit of a joke, actually, a bit of a girly boy, you know, going on television and doing all this kind of thing. But he is boring, as you will discover, I'm afraid. It's not his play. It's not his fault, really. Uh, 84850, uh, one here. This is from uh, Robert. And uh, he says, in these times of cutbacks and loss of social services, I believe that exemption of business rates for places of worship should be scrapped. I don't believe it's now an appropriate exemption. Religion has gone the way of football. Football's no longer a sport. It's a business. And the church is the same. My views on this stem from my local cathedral fundraising for improvements. They've secured an amount in grants at taxpayers' expense. They want donations for the rest. It's no wonder that the uh, Church of England has four billion in the bank. I don't think they have, though. That's the trouble, have they? They haven't. I mean, the church is going through a terrible time. They might have a property portfolio, but they certainly don't have cash. That's one thing they don't have. The problem is, he says, uh, churches do a lot for charity. I thought so. A church scheme gave second-hand furniture to the poor, all donated. And the scheme has ended because the church lost the taxpayer-funded grants of a quarter of a million pounds operating costs. So not a church charity, but funded by the taxpayer. The church still does, a, <coughs> I think, a lot of good for a lot of people. It depends whether you, whether you like going to church and whether you sort of believe... I think we're just very generous in this country. People do donate. A lot of the papers have run campaigns to help inner-city businesses, and they've raised substantial amounts of money. But I think if the Church of England had four billion in the bank, they'd be doing a lot more. But they have to sell off churches. Lots of churches, especially around our way. We've got one in Teddington. Uh, there's one down at Turnham Green. There's, there's, church, there's one in Richmond, all converted into housing for the simple reason that, that people kind of lose interest and if you do go to church, in the majority of cases, not all cases, in the majority, it's a lot of elderly people who are trying to obviously assure themselves of a place in heaven before they finally go. Because it is full of a lot of elderly people. You don't get that many young people. They do in certain churches, not all of them, though. And that's why the Church of England has to sell off these, these properties. Also, they can't afford to maintain them. Because maintaining church, you look at the size of the roofs and everything. I used to have a dream once. I had a dream. And my dream was buying a church and having a huge, you know, swimming pool in the basement. And, th- and I kept thinking, no, it's a church. You can't do that. It's a church. Although round, round Twickenham, we have a church yard, graves, where they've deconsecrated it, moved all the graves against the wall and kids play there. And I'm never sure about that, actually, but then most people don't visit graves, do they? They do for a little while, and then the family move away, and it's, uh, and it's a shame. Neil Currier says, when I was younger, I wanted to be in a gang. The Red Hand Gang from the American TV show. I, don't, I, thought, about, I thought it was the Black Hand Gang, wasn't it? Who were the Red Hand Gang? Were they, was it the Red Hand Gang? Who was in the Red Hand Gang then, Chinese Amanda? Of course, you, well, you knew it was the Red Hand Gang. I thought the Black Hand Gang. Well, you have to remember these things. She said to me earlier, I don't know where I am this morning. I thought, we don't know where you are either, quite clearly. I, th- I thought it was the Black Hand Gang, and I'm going to prove myself right. I'm going to prove myself right. It is the Black Hand Gang. And I'm going, no, it's the Black Hand Gang, and I'm going to put it in, and you're going to eat your words. Oh, oh, oh she's now p- capitulated and said there's a Black Hand Gang as well. So, you see, there is a Black Hand Gang. Sometimes, you know, you bang heads against wall, and eventually you get the right answer. Quarter to six. <laughs> These are the headlines. 45 fighters have been tackling a fire at a shop in Brixton, which had already been burnt out during last week's riots. They were called to Footlocker on Brixton Road around 11 o'clock last night. A British man's been killed by a shark in the Seychelles. The 30-year-old victim had been named by the Foreign Office as Ian Redmond from Lancashire. And today's the last day for applications to become the next Commissioner of the Met Police. The top job at Scotland Yard became vacant last month when Sir Paul Stevenson resigned in the wake of the phone hacking scandal. Let's have a check on the uh, roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. 
Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Because of the fire in Brixton, Brixton... Re- now. Morning, everybody. It's Burt Reynolds, who's the one who's going to be evicted from his, uh, from his house. Not particularly good. Jordan might or might not be going into Big Brother, but uh, only being second choice, not particularly good at all. And David Beckham says he will order his three sons to escort Harper when she starts dating. She's not even a year old, so you're going to be waiting 18 years, by which time David Beckham will be very ancient, and, uh, and the boys will have gone off and got married, I should imagine, by that time. So in 18 years' time, they're going to be mid-twenties, some of them, and they're going to be escorting little Harper when she starts dating. Sometimes, you know, engage brain before opening mouth, I think, would be a lot easier. Uh, Steve says, you hear about the looter who broke into Argos and stole the catalogues? Actually, I've heard of people who, who did break into Argos, but unfortunately, in Argos's case, a lot of the uh, stuff that they sell is in boxes, and it's only identifiable by a code number on the side. So you'd have to get the catalogue to go through it to find out what, you, what you'd nicked, because otherwise it's not going to be much, much good to you at all. 84850, uk. I love the story of the pregnant woman who was forced to drive through crowds of looters to get to hospital. Gillian Cruikshank had baby Orla minutes after arriving at St Thomas's Hospital. Her husband had to navigate the riots on Monday near the couple's home in Battersea. And, uh, and Gillian said, we were very, very lucky. You absolutely were. You absolutely were. But that's, you see, out of, all the, out of all the misery comes a little bit of happiness. Uh, rapper Wretch32 is the latest celebrity... I've never even heard of him. The latest celebrity to back the Daily Star's Reclaim Our Streets campaign. Wretch set for number one this week with Don't Go... Vowed to help Riot hit Tottenham, his home suburb, and urge others to do the same. Shame he didn't do it years ago. There you go. It's not like it's just only recently happened. This has been building for ages and ages. Uh, and I noticed the other day that Sher Lloyd has been knocked off the top spot, down to number three now. So that means not doing as well as she thought. I think she was probably hoping to stay at number one for, for quite a while. I think it's because she did such dull, boring interviews. And uh, she really wasn't that interesting. And so, consequently, the British public went, mm, not sure about that. And she's now said she would like another 12 number ones. And if she has that, then she'll bring out an album. So uh, my advice is now, let's kind of leave it. I don't think it's possible to have 12 number ones. I really don't. Radio Times has been sold, strangely enough, to a, a private equity company. Dates back nine decades. Nine decades. And they've sold it off, part of 121 million-pound deal involving 11 titles, including Olive and Gardens Illustrated. I've never even heard of Gardens Illustrated and Olive. Hacking back in the news again today. And uh, this, is, uh, this is after Clive uh, Goodman, the former royal editor of the News of the World, said that he wrote to the HR department some years ago uh, saying that this was widespread at the News of the World. This was absolutely widespread. It was only when the editor got involved that they started playing it down. And he said that had he, he'd been promised his job uh, back if he didn't implicate the paper or any of its staff in the mitigation plea. I did not, and I expect the paper he wrote to honour its promise to me. It's quite an interesting letter written to, uh, to HR. He wrote to the head of human resources. So quite clearly, I mean, if, if this letter is, is absolutely kosher and it's absolutely true, I mean, everything that we thought was right ages ago... Uh, needs to be investigated again. So we've got to open up the phone hacking because James Murdoch quite clearly misled MPs over how much he really knew. Andy Coulson has been named in this letter. Uh, they say Tom Crone and the editor, Andy Coulson, promised on many occasions I could come back to the job at the newspaper. I mean, all these people must have known what was going on. I don't believe that phone hacking went on and they just went, oh, of course, it was just one isolated person. We've now discovered it isn't. And we've now discovered that, uh, you know, all this money was, was paid out to people who were... 
uh, phone hacking, and some people went went to prison as a result of it. But it's far from over. Just when you thought the riots had overtaken that, the phone hacking rears its ugly head, and we're back back where we started. Uh, the girl who we mentioned yesterday, this is uh, little little Sawyer, little Sawyer, proudly pictured, uh, proudly posted a scan of her unborn baby. She's fifteen, uh, a modelling dream in tatters now because I mean she never could have been a model at all. I'm afraid, never ever. But her mother Janice uh, Keaveney says it's it's good. Because now we get a bigger council house. And so she's pregnant at 15. It's a, a marvellous indication of the way the country's going at the moment. And uh, the baby's due in January. And her mother says that her daughter, Sawyer, will become a great mother. Because she's quite clearly intelligent. So that's good news, isn't it? Model at 12, pregnant at 15. She wasn't a model at 12, unfortunately. They just posted pictures of her in a bikini at 12. A little bit disgusting. With what looks like um, a piercing in her navel. But uh, she does live with Coco, Ritzy and her brother Taro, so that's good news for everybody. They're all very happy. And, uh, as I say, great names. I mean, really, they are sort of what we call, you know, names for people of, who can't think of anything else. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know anybody. I mean, do you know anybody who's got, you know, kids called that? I mean, I don't know anybody who's called Sawyer. I mean, unless it's somebody who's on a vegetarian diet. Hello, Sawyer! I mean, God knows, the mother must be barking mad, I'm afraid. Uh, how do you feel about, um... Because I know, says Wendy, you're not keen on Big Brother. Oh, I didn't say that. I'm terribly keen on it. I'm terribly keen to find out what non-entities they're going to put in there. And uh, they've, they've dragged up Judy James again. Judy James, psychologist, written a book on it, all very interesting, uh, saying that um, there will be people in there, surprised, but she's so good, Judy James, I tell you, she wipes the floor with everybody else. She said there will be people in there who are attention seekers. I mean, that is just brilliant. I mean, that is just... Not me for six, that one. I had no idea. I thought they were all going to be sort of, you know, little shy wallflowers. But she said some people might try and uh, and get together with a fake relationship. This Judy James, I tell you, she just blows me away. I mean, I don't know where you learn that. Is this off the back of crisp packets or something? I mean, imagine people going into the Big Brother house and they might be attention-seeking and they might have a fake relationship. A bit like Preston, where are you now, darling? And uh, Chantel, we know where you're going. And, uh, and a few other people have been in there. I mean, even Alex Reed apparently is in the paper today. Up to the age of thirteen, he used to share a bed with his mother. Is that is that normal? I mean, I'd, I've never heard of that before. Perhaps they didn't have much money and they only had one one bedroom or something. I'm trying to sort of you know be nice about poor Alex Reed, who's still desperately trying to get attention for himself. And I think he's actually going out with Chantelle. What a meeting of the minds that must be. Can't you imagine what they talk about over dinner? State of the economy, rioting, how we sort out the inner city problem, or is it? Have you got another gig? No, because I'm living the dream, and I, Chantelle, is... God oh, dear. Anyway, so I am keen on Big Brother. How do you feel about Channel 5 only airing the highlight show and Big Brother bit on the side? There's no live feed or online. Fans are livid. Wendy says you won't have much footage to criticise. Fan, fan, I think it's fan is livid. Fan is slightly miffed, Wendy, and that'll be you. Because there's nobody... There's no, there aren't any fans. fan. Fans switched off when it was on Channel... They went click, 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 and Brian Dowling. Oh! Dear my... Oh, dear. I mean, it's just an embarrassment from start to finish. An overexcitable trolley dolly who's way above his station, I'm afraid, who's going to be hosting this programme. And what did they say? They asked somebody the other day about hosting. Oh, that's right, Ollie Murs, who turned up on Keith Lemon's programme, actually being quite quite a bit of a sport, but he's a bit peculiar looking. And Because uh, all these Essex boys have started wearing clothes two sizes too small. For that, see Jeff Brazier re-yesterday's programme. He's wearing an outfit a, bit, a little bit like One Direction. How much makeup can you put on boys? And in five years' time, will you look back at the silly haircuts and go, we looked a bit stupid? OK. And also, will you be singing live? No, you won't, answer, because you can't. They've managed to get this far in a career without singing a note for anybody, but they do look pretty. 
even though they've got quite funny haircuts and clothes a little bit too small and trousers halfway down their bottoms. But I'm told that is fashion nowadays, so I'm going to start wearing it. I don't want to be missing out on the fashion. I think if you can't go around with your bottom hanging out around this building, there's no justice. Because there are people here who do actually come in with their bottoms hanging out of their jeans. And I've thought, if I want to be part of the in crowd, and I do want to be part of the in crowd, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I'm, I'm going out today, I'm going to go out to some trendy shops, OK? Marks and Spencers, Primark. And I'm going to be trying on trousers and seeing if you can actually walk around with your trousers are falling down. I suspect, actually, you probably can't, but I'm going to have a blooming good go. Here's poor old Burt Reynolds. And he's lost his mansion. £700,000 he's fallen behind on the mortgage. Where does his money go? Where do these people put their money? I mean, I reckon there's people listening at the moment who probably live hand-to-mouth and, and they probably get like I used to. And your money comes in and it just pays off last month's debts. And so then you go through the month and then it pays off last month's debt. So you never actually achieve anything. And you've got a credit card, so you go out and you put stuff on credit card and you just think, oh, there was another advert on the television the other day, borrow some money till payday. And I'm watching this and they say, just phone up, we'll lend you some money. What was the rate of interest on this one? 5,560%. I could, I mean, the last one we took to task was perfectly legal. 3,600. Now it's gone up to 5,500. And you think... These must be people. So if, if you're in, in Poverty Street, these people are going to help you get more in debt. Five and a half thousand percent. I mean, it, it, it makes the, the train fares going up eight percent or 13 percent look almost cheap, doesn't it, by, by comparison. And that's the problem, that the people who are in the poverty trap are just getting themselves worse in because they go to the bank, or not as the case may be, and the bank goes, no, you're, you're not a good... Have you got any collateral? You know, have you got anything? You see these things, borrow money against your property, and then they put at the bottom in small letters, which if you're over 60, you can barely read, if you fall behind, your property is at risk. And we saw cases before of people going to money lenders. There are people in certain parts of the country, crooks, they are bent crooks, and they will go round and they will lend you money. But if you miss the day that you're supposed to pay, the interest goes up. There was one poor couple, they ended up going to court over it because it made them so ill, and they borrowed, I think, £700. Within the space of a year, their debt had risen to £13,000 because they'd fallen behind or they'd made underpayments and stuff like that. And they had to go to court. And the person who had, um, who had lent them the money in the first place had a little book with all these people in there. And it was mainly people who couldn't afford to pay back, whose debt quadrupled... I mean, it just went completely haywire. So from £700, they owed 13000 And then the TV companies run an advert for a company that's offering to lend you money at an interest rate of 5,500%. It's absolutely shameful. It is absolutely disgusting. And you'd have to be at the end of your tether to even consider borrowing money from these people. To celebrate Minnie's support for Team G... Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Wednesday morning in London town. I must just mention the story very briefly because I've all sent it in to me. And it's a true story from America. Bill owns a company that manufactures and installs car wash systems. Uh, he installed a car wash system in, uh, in a particular town. And the problem was that the owner of the car wash started complaining he was losing money from the coin machines every week because you go and then you put the coins in. And he went as far as to, uh, to accuse Bill's employees of having a key to the boxes coming round and ripping him off. And Bill, who owns the company, said, no, this is absolutely not, not true at all. And so he set up a camera to catch the thief on film, which they did. And the, the thief is, is a bird. And the bird goes into the, the cash into the change slot of the machine, in the machine, picks up the money, and comes back out again. 
4,000 in quarters this, this bird had managed to take out of this machine, which is quite clever, actually, when you think about it. And it was obviously attracted to bright, shiny things. And so it had them up on the roof of the garage and then down by a tree. <laughs> so just in case you start thinking, you know, you say to somebody, bit of a bird brain, aren't you? They're obviously a lot more intelligent than we think. Jonathan Levi's back from his holidays and he went to Malta. The lovely island of Malta. You've never been before? Never been before. Why did you pick Malta, then? We picked it because we've never been before. Oh, right. And it's got the nicest climate in the world, statistically, Malta. Mm. It's got the nicest sunshine. It's got the nicest, consistently good climate in the whole world. And it's a very pro-British island, Malta, because it used to be a sort of principality mm. of some sort. Mm. There's some um, red pillar boxes there. They're very pro-British. They it's got English. lots of Brit things. Lots of Brit things. And it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning, with beautiful towns and, and villages and uh, lots of the... D- Cities there are used for filming because they can double as other cities. Yes. It's perfectly preserved. It's got beaches. It's got a one or two beautiful beaches which are on the other side of the island, which we didn't go to. Right. Just because it was a bit far. We were only there for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, we stayed in a place called St. Julian in a hotel. It was absolutely lovely. Nice hotel? Lovely hotel. Good food? Good food. What is the food? I don't know what the local food to Malta would be. It's like being in London. There's a Wagamama, there's a Pizza Hut, there's oh, a... Oh, right. It's <laughs> <laughs> like London. Yeah. There's lots, of, uh, there's lots of Italian restaurants. I suppose the, predominantly it's like Italian food, if it right. was their own. They have Maltese specialities. Rabbits, they're great speciality, oh. um, which I'm not a big fan <laughs> no, of. No, I've... No. But, so I didn't really eat any of the rabbit. But there was locally lots of Italian-type Maltese sort mm. of restaurants. Uh, but then there's Japanese and Chinese and Thai and everything else. Yeah. It's a lovely... Lovely place. I really recommend it. Much cheaper than I thought it would be. Right. Because I'm used, you know, you go to Paris or you go to bits of Northern Europe and it's the Euro. Mm. And I'm quite wary about going to places with the Euro. It's so expensive. Yes. And yes. um and it's and it's really um I mean much cheaper than here, Malta. Wow. Yeah. So there well, you go. Get lots go of to, sunshine. Yeah, lots of sunshine. It's a really lovely place. And you can fly direct from Heathrow and it's about two and just under three hours. An expensive holiday? I mean n- n- in terms of holidays that you would have to say America or Spain or something like that. Uh, probably sort of on a par with a Spanish sort of holiday or something. Right. But but I, th- I I would depending on which bit of Spain you go to, obviously I think a bit cheaper when you get there. Right. It's very nice. There you go. Malta. Uh, front page of the Express this morning. Uh, they've got a story, I mean, it seems ages ago that this, this, you know, she died years and years ago. They're now saying that a German journalist has come forward to tell of a visit to Monte Carlo by Diana and Dodie seven days before the fatal car crash and that they were secretly engaged. And the reason they've done this is because they're bringing up again the theory that she was killed because she was going to marry a Muslim. Right. So we're, we're, we're re-dredging this one back up again, I'm afraid, for the umpteenth time. And they say that the, uh, the company... Uh, this ring was worth £11,500. Seems rather cheap, actually, doesn't it, for an engagement ring? But there you go. Uh, was sort of sent over, and now the journalist has come forward to speak for the first time about the dramatic event that she witnessed in the Swish Casino Resort of Monte Carlo on Saturday, August 23rd, 1997. I, there are so many conspiracy <laughs> theories up there with, yeah. with everything, mm. and none of them are ever true. Conspiracies are never true. Yeah, I, mean, I think you can just... She says here, Diana and Dodie just look so in love as they chatted happily. Well, yeah. I walk out chatting happily to someone. It doesn't mean I'm in love. They were going out. They were together, weren't they? And we're, I don't know whether they were engaged or, or what, but that was all dredged up and discussed for, for years, yes. wasn't it, all this sort of stuff? The conspiracy theories around things like that death or 9-11 or the moon landings or who shot JFK or... No. I mean, they're, they're absolutely rife, and you could spend hours on the internet kind of getting engrossed in all sorts of crackpot theories, but they are crackpot theories. Why don't they just leave her alone now? I don't know. 
She's been dead for goodness knows how long. It's and you like think there's not enough else in the newspapers and in the world to talk about, is there? Yes. I mean, I, d- I don't know whether it's a Mohammed El Fayed thing, you know, that he wants to keep it going and say that, you know, Dodie was madly up because we had that ghastly exhibition at Harrods. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, really, it's the most dreadful thing I've ever seen. It's, it's this sort of statue of, of Dodie, and then you go down the stairs and there's a book, and a, oh, terrible. It really is ghastly. And, but there you go. You know, and I suppose we are going to be going on forever and ever with conspiracy theories. It'll go on till the day we die, probably. I mean, that's the guy that lost his son. Yes. So he's bound to be obsessed yes. with it until the day he dies, because that's his son. Not Dodie only lost his, his son, son, he lost every royal warrant that there was. They gradually, one by one, the members of the royal family took them away from Harrods. Yeah. And so the, the wall became a bit bearer. And then at yeah. the end, they had to put the Harrods sign up there to cover the fact it had no royal warrants. He'll be tormented by yes. the death of Dodie until the day he dies. That's understandable as a father who's lost a son. He happens to own it in all. He happened to own. He sold it now, hasn't he? He doesn't own Harrods anymore. No. But he owned this big shop that he could display yes. stuff to do with his son in. That nice sort of makes stuff. sense. Nice stuff. I mean, I have to be honest, I do like walking through Harrods. It's yeah. so big, I should imagine you could be in one, one department and not know the person in the next department. There's one it's toilet vast. you can go to for free, and there's another one you have to pay for. Yes, I quite like that idea. You have to pay if you go to the, the ones in, in London. They've got those round ones. You put money in the slot for those, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I've street. never used one. And they have very strange ones in Villiers Street, which rise out of the ground well, I have, on a Friday night. The, the doors might just spontaneously well, There aren't even doors on these ones. They're, they're urinals for men. Oh, those ones that you, you can... just stand in the street. Have you ever heard of anything like it? Well, then they were bringing out those things called sheepies, weren't they? which were like little devices that were so women could use them as well. Oh, they didn't catch on. Oh, I'm not at all surprised. I don't like that idea. So, so while you were away, of course, it was all going on back It was all going here. on right at my iPad with me. Right. Luckily, I had Wi-Fi in the room, and I listened to LBC the whole time. So you were able to keep I up with it. I was fully abreast yes, of, of the what events was going on over the week. It's, it certainly did go on, didn't it? It certainly I mean, did go it, on. What really an extraordinary... Week it's been. I think we were all saying it's it's been. There wasn't a discussion this... of phone tapping for at least seven days. No, it's coming back in now again. Yeah. Have you noticed phone hacking has now crept back into the yeah. papers? Now that they've started dragging all the rioters and looters into court and gang members, uh, now we've gone back to phone hacking, yeah. which everybody thought had died down, and all the Murdochs were going, got away with that one. And uh, then lo and behold, it's back again yeah, with no, this letter back. from Clive Goodman, which has emerged, sent to the HR department, saying they knew about it. Yeah, and then James Murdoch's going to be recalled to Parliament, and it's all going to kick off all over again. Again. Do you think it will? Do you think they will actually bring him back in again? I think they probably will. It'll rumble on. There'll be more things. I'm sure there's lots of people that have more information they're going to release. Oh, I don't know, really. It, I, it is a little bit depressing, isn't it? It is, really. There were some very passionate phone calls. I couldn't sleep last night. There was very passionate phone calls to Christo overnight, weren't there? Yes. About, um, I think people about get, get quite passionate about him. Yes. Very upset. Well, I think because she said her son had been, uh, you know, the, the, the kids, she said, around there were frightened to go out. And the, he, he went to the shops to get some milk and um, got stopped and searched and it yeah. felt violated. She went so. out, she knew he was in a police van. It was, it was all very passionate stuff. 6.15 is the time. News headline, Sam Pittis. A British man has been killed by a shark while on honeymoon in the Seychelles. Morning, everybody. We had that dreadful story, Jonathan Levi, the other... Was it a couple of weeks ago in the paper about the boy who was attacked by the polar bear? Yes. And it turned out it had toothache, apparently. The polar bear? Yes. It was killed, wasn't it, the polar bear? Yes, it was shot by somebody else in the tent, who luckily had the presence of mind, and they obviously uh, had, had guns in the tent, but not before this poor boy was, was mauled to death. I can't imagine how terrifying it would be for a polar bear to attack you in a tent. Well, especially when you saw it and they showed it after. Well, there's another case here. This is a girl uh, called Olga... Uh, Mosilyova, and she was attacked. She was on the phone to her mother being attacked. She was being attacked. She was speaking to her mother. She was attacked by a brown bear. Um, 
and she gave a running commentary on her own death. Her mother thought she was joking when she phoned up and she's screaming down the phone, the bear is eating me, it's agony, the bear is eating me. And this brown bear had attacked her and her three children. And brown bears are enormous. And they climb trees and they run very, very fast. And uh, she got eaten to death. She's only just graduated from a music school. Six hunters killed in the mother and her three cubs. Quite clearly, this was in Russia, and the bear was out there looking for, for food, and they do occasionally attack people who settle in their habitat, because bears don't know, you know, they go, this is where I, oh, somebody's put a house up there. But animals are all different, aren't they? Bears, apparently, mm. uh, maul you, and they don't really know how to kill you. Uh, whereas sh- whereas um, tigers and lions go for the jugular, so you're yes. dead instantly. Yes. A bear, well, it can be a horrible, agonising, protracted death because they don't really know how to kill you. So they sort of maul you very unpleasantly for a long period of time. Because they normally eat fish, don't they, brown bears? I thought they catch salmon yeah, they in the rivers. They don't enjoy- Polar bears, apparently, are the only mammal that actually enjoy eating people. They enjoy the taste of human flesh. They actually quite enjoy right. attacking people and eating people. Whereas sharks, for instance, there's this terrible yes. story of the shark attack in the Seychelles, this tragic story of this couple that go on a honeymoon he goes for a swim he's snorkeling just meters from the shore oh. and he's attacked by a shark horrifically injured and dies on the beach or on his on the way to hospital yeah. but sharks go for exploratory bites they don't enjoy eating people no, a, a shark sees a shadow doesn't it yeah. and doesn't know what it is so has to bite it bite it to see to see they do an exploratory bite and obviously that's a and then n- normally in the water there's something about a human being being bitten in the water that sends you into shock and I think you can die from the shock, and then the catastrophic blood loss. Yes, and, and I think bite. it's the blood that then attracts all the other sharks. Yeah. But they don't roll. They don't eat you, sharks. No, they don't. They, they horribly they just... bite you, and then you die of your injuries. Yes. Whereas you'll be eaten by some animals. It's ghastly. We seem to be reading more and more about these, but then the more and more we invade their space the more and more we're going to see these attacks because sharks don't know the difference. You know, sharks don't sort of go, oh, wait a minute, there's all these people who live here, whatever people are. We just know that this is the water, this is where our prey is. Brown bears, I've seen them fishing, and you look at them and they're they're really quite, you know, they're, they're very formidable and they do try and track them. Polar bears, they have to airlift out of towns because they all head into town looking for food. They see bright lights, they can obviously smell food, so they go in. So, you know, when you look at these, these polar bears, and this particular one that killed this boy, and, uh, and it's, it's like nine and a half feet tall. Oh, so, I mean, but, I mean... It must have been frightening. Oh, as for extreme. some of these giant crocodiles that eat people. I mean, yes. some of them are 20 feet long. Yes, and they go out of that. I, I saw a Channel 5 programme once, and they, they said, we're, we're going out to find and hunt this giant crocodile. And they, they sort of went out in the boat, and they had a piece of thing, and this thing leaps out of the river. Yeah. I've never seen any of the size of it. They can move faster on land than they can in the water. Yes, yes. Incredibly fast when they want to be. And then they drag you and they roll you. And they yes, roll it, you it's the rolling, water. isn't it? It's called the death roll, I think. Yeah. Quite ghastly. But this, this poor girl who's on the phone to her mother, her mother is listening to her being eaten by this brown bear. And the girl is, is screaming down the phone, I'm being eaten. And the mum thought it was a joke. And then it turned out not to be. Yeah. And so, uh, so she lost her life. But that is the trouble. As I've said before, you can't actually blame the animals. They end up losing their lives because they're just doing what comes naturally to them. I once saw a terrible documentary about um, Osafu, their giant killer ants. Killer ants? Yeah, that exist um, in some very remote parts of the world. And one guy got drunk and left his sort of wooden hut door open and fell asleep. And the ants came in and they ate them alive. How big are they? They're, they're bigger than normal ants, but right. they're really vicious little things. Because I have seen ants going on a forage through the forest 
and there's millions of them, yeah. and they will literally just overpower insects well, that they see. Well, a swarm of anything is terrifying, isn't it? Yes. If, to be swarmed. I've seen a photograph of somebody who was standing at a bus stop and a queen bee landed well, on if them. if they land on you, if the bee's on you, yeah. the queen's on you, then they all come, They all they? come because you get the whole swarm because they're right. following the queen. She's looking for somewhere frighten the life out of me. We have had wasps' nests at home and we've had them all sorted out. But when you see... And I've said to him, how, how many could be in a wasp? He said, oh, there could be 10,000, 20,000. I, I can't even really talk about but wasps' the, nests. I, I don't like wasps. So I'm sure they actually sense fear. I'm sure we all give off these sort of pheromone-type things. They hate me, though, wasps. Yes, they hate they me, really too. They hate me. They chase me down the street sometimes. Yeah. If, if I'm eating I walk dinner... I some lavender and there's a wasp. It goes off the lavender and goes you. for me. And then it chases me down the street. Oh, and then more come. And then you f- you're found yourself flailing around. It looked like a sort of seven-year-old girl flailing. Yeah. And then you just run for your life. Because the worst thing is that if... You- I had one in the car once... I had a wasp in the car, and of course oh. you start driving erratically because what you so you're opening yeah. all the windows to try, and the people behind must have thought he's having a fit or something. It was I was trying to get this thing out because I think don't don't sting yeah, me. Don't and I've sat with dinner with people, my friend Michael. If one country he just brushes away. I said, don't brush it towards me. No, this thing will be furious. Sometimes there's a wasp in the lift on the tube, oh. and then going down, and then you're wondering, you know, which victim, who's the victim in Ooh, the lift? Don't don't been got by that wasp. But that, that, I, that, I, that I haven't had moment. as many wasps this year. No, but bees so, are all no. right. Be- bees are okay because they just want to go out and collect pollen and be like good members of the community. Yeah, I mean, I have to have a slight sort of respect for the bee. Yeah, but I don't really like bees. Can't kill bees. Not allowed to. They're they're protected. Right. So if if you get a, a bee nest or whatever they call it, you can't uh, you can't do anything about it. They are protected. The, the you, you you can call up the bee society. We've got one in Twickenham. They will come and remove them for you. Right. And give them another house because bees are quite happy. You have to move them at night. So they lose their orientation. Okay. And then you can move them wherever you want happy them. Happy just to move and live somewhere else. Yeah. Wasps are very unpleasant things. They're nasty, aren't they? Really and then we nasty. got those giant wasps in from abroad. The hornets. Oh, dear. Horrible things, which went in and killed the bees. Oh, don't. God, it's carnage out there, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. It's, honestly, I can barely move for sort of fear of... I don't... Every time I see a wasp, I sort of think, oh, don't come in, please don't come near me. I had please. terrible arguments with my wife. A, a few years ago, we went on holiday to the Gambia. Anyway, it was in a particular time of the year where it was quite a mixture of sort of sunshine and rain. It was the most awful combination for giant insects, you can imagine. Yeah. And the front of where we were staying in our hotel room was just covered with insects every morning. And we were just beset. And then in the, in the evening... We were sitting under these awnings, eating, and it sounded like heavy rain above, and it was insects landing on the awnings, bashing mm. onto the awnings one after another. And I sat at a table, and I started bringing a can of Raid out with me, just for meals, <laughs> so that every time they came with me, I just sprayed it around, which, which didn't, nobody else seemed to think. I was just sleeping in Hong Kong mad, under, a, but... under a mosquito net. That was quite normal. Yeah. You know, just to keep all the mozzies out at night. Yeah. Don't like it. Uh, read the Riot, says Brian in Hampton Hill. After all said and done, there'll be more said than done. Oh, there's always plenty of talking, but nobody knows the answer, Brian, as, as we've discussed loads and loads of times on LBC. Everybody's got great ideas and everybody's is, is, is in agreement, barring a few small-minded people, that we have to do something because it's not this generation which is kind of lost, but it's the, it's the next generation. You've got to make sure. It's this, it's this fear of them and us. Yeah. It's this, you know, we don't like them, they don't like us, they don't like police, they don't like authority. They don't, like it. They, they don't even like their parents, some of these rioters. They There's can't sort do. Of, yeah, disaffected section of young people yeah. that seem to be slightly lost. And I suppose the focus needs to be on the next generation to stop, stop yes. them going the same way. 
But what you do about this particular group of people who... Uh, who want to loot and uh, do things like that? I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. They, they, they call them disaffected, but they're wearing more expensive trainers than I've got, put it that way. You yeah. know, 150 quid for a pair of trainers and big chains, and you think, you're kind of displaying wealth now, whereas I, I kind of just look poor, Well, they're I'm all afraid. individuals as well, aren't they? They're not all one set of people or one group of people speaking with one voice. They all attack each other. I mean, in normal circumstances, all these particular gangs and estates in different boroughs of London hate each other, and they don't go into each other's territory. They've got no love for each other. It's balmy, isn't it? I, so I, I, I can um, quite happily drive from here to Romford or here to, to Dagenham, and yet there are gangs who, if well, you're have, in the, you're the Dagenham gang, in, you don't go to Romford. No, and there'll be... You, you'll find if, if you sat... You could, you could divide up Walworth and Camberwell and Peckham and Brixton... And um, and Cold Harbour Lane running between, Br- and there'll be one, there'll be different gangs that control different sections, as far as they're concerned. It's control. All com- it's all complete. Ma- it's all a bit mad. balmy. F- it's, it's all a, it's balmy. A bit they don't balmy, control anything, it? really. No, it's all just made up silly games, really. But, but it's they dangerous go out because they've got guns and knives. Yeah. There's a 17 year old who was knifed to death, and his mother didn't know, quite clearly didn't know what he was getting up to at 17. Whereas we've said before, it is parental responsibility. It's up to you to find out. And if you think that your child is getting into trouble, then you you have to take them away and you have to put them somewhere else. You don't want people in these areas where they're sort of getting into trouble by hanging around with the wrong kids at school. I know people who've moved children from school to another school because the sort of kids they're mixing with are not the kids they want them to mix with. And you have to do that, and you have to do that with them when they're 17. Because quite clearly, they're they're, they're not as intelligent as they think they are. They think they're all being big on the streets, but they're not. Again, this word control, they don't control anything. But they feel like they have patches and social spaces that they're in charge of. That their manners, their patches, their They couldn't run a bath. They couldn't run a bath half these people. That's the trouble with them. When you see them coming into court, you suddenly realise... I mean, one of them went in the other day, he was 33 and he's got a history of convictions as long as your arm. So what point? Let's take a very short break. John says you can buy microwave hot water bottles. It's a pouch. Yes, I've seen this. I had a teddy bear that you popped in the microwave and he heated up. A little bit worrying, I think. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, 7. Jonathan Levi's with us in the studio. And uh, Mike in Epsom says, please tell Jonathan how much I enjoyed his programmes about Ronnie Corbett. Very enjoyable indeed. Oh, good. I'm really pleased to hear that. Oh, there you go. They did really well. Did it ratings-wise? Yeah, they did, did good. really well in the ratings. Yeah. They got good reviews. Was he pleased with them? He was really pleased with them. ITV are really pleased with them. What was funny is just the comedians love him, all those comics. Yeah. He's really is a comedian's comedian, Ronnie. Whereas you, you explained before that, and we all know it, the majority of comedians hate each other because it's this, this pecking order. So they all... In fact, Michael McIntyre was in the papers a couple of weeks ago about all the comedians who hate him. Yeah. People are quite quite vocal about how much they hate him. And you think... But if you watch his, his routine, his, his live and laughing... It's just so good, and I he's know. so enthusiastic and bounces around like Tigger. But it's a jealousy, I suppose, and to some extent, with a lot of those comics, just because he's just done so well commercially now, hasn't he? I mean, he's the big primetime TVs, judge all yes. these huge yes. shows. So, so he's... Uh, but you he's know, nice. They're, they're very, he appears very to be very genuine. genuine. I'm, sure, I'm sure, but they're a very jealous bit a lot, aren't they, on the whole? Yeah. And they they are, you know, it is, it is the forum for... It's the new sort of... Um, it's like the city. I mean, the money in comic. I mean, you know, yes. these these the money these these top comics are raking in. It used to be years ago, DJs, DJs who used to work at the Hacienda and all these places could make twenty five thousand a night. They'd be yeah. flown out to Ibiza to do some set out there for twenty grand, and you think, blimey, I never most I ever earned was twenty five pound a night. Yeah, I thought I'm doing quite well. But that level, that Mac and Mac, Michael McIntyre, Peter Kay, that sort of strata mm. of comedians that could sell out stadiums and massive um, 
arenas and, and stuff and just stand on their own on stage with a microphone telling jokes. I mean, it's just a sea of pound signs. No wonder yes. he's laughing. Yes, absolutely. Although I always think it's, it's quite an intimate thing, comedy. Yeah. But uh, Michael McIntyre, you need to see him on television on, because otherwise you sit there watching a big screen thinking he's a little dot in the yeah. corner. Oh, yeah. it's nice to be there and then you go and buy the DVD. But interesting enough, people like him and Peter Kay and Ricky Gervais, they haven't gone off the rails, have they? Because they've made loads of money. You don't find them sort of going, oh, I'm turning to drugs or to drink or anything like that. It's, and you don't see it, and yet you see it with pop stars. I'm thinking of Boy George, you know, been to prison already, done his drugs thing, and you think, you've earned all that money and you've just kind of wasted it. I know, but comics are more like smart business people than artists. Yeah, but a lot of comics days. years ago used to drink. I've lost track of the amount of old-fashioned comics yeah. who, you know, who, who, who drank. But then Tommy they were Cooper more like drank artists. like a fish. Yeah, but the Ronnie, I mean, the two Ronnies, that, they didn't make that much money. No. So it's only this, this modern, this, this group of modern comedians are like serious business people. Yes. Controlling their brands, owning their brands, owning their own companies, exploiting them you know, t- to make as much money as possible. That, old, as you say, that, the, those older comedians, the Tommy Coopers, the, the two Ronnies, the, 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 um, the Eric and Ernie and so on, they didn't make a lot of money. No. It's a shame, really, when you think about it, because the amount of happiness that they gave to people, they should have done. Fantastic. I can remember, you know, Danny LaRue went, went broke at one time. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's only recently that, that Dear Barbara Windsor started making money, because in the early days, even in all the films, they didn't pay anything. They no. were paying peanuts. It's only the people afterwards have made all the money out they of them. They didn't they get own nothing. their own production companies no. that made it, that controlled the rights, that sold the DVD, that controlled the tour. That they didn't know it. about they, they didn't DVDs. Know about all that. And it wasn't possible. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know how much Barbara got for a carry-on, but it certainly wouldn't have been very much. So you had to supplement it by doing, you know, the stage show. So they worked three times as hard as everybody else for very little return. It's now, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't like to imagine how much the... He, or he, who even owns the rights to the carry-ons, how much they've grossed over the years, but it certainly doesn't go to the stars of them. But the two Ronnies, you know, they would be selling out the London Palladium. Yes. They would be doing live the London Palladium. At the end of the night, um, Ronnie would go back to Croydon and the other Ronnie would go back to Harrow. And get the public transport. I mean, it's just... They, yes, they didn't, they they didn't they, have cars or anything no. like and that. They, and they got paid by the BBC to do it. Yeah. You know, on a, on probably not even that much. But it was a glorious, fantastic thing to do. Mm. And they were loved. And it was a massive deal. And, you know, but, but, um, but they weren't hugely rich because of it. Oh, I should imagine even Brucey is now making more money than he ever made when he was first working on television. Oh, sure. You know, if you're looking at a contract for half a million pounds, people go, half a million pounds? I mean, th- that's actually not really a great deal in television terms. You know, for somebody who's confronting. It is. And you get it later in life. So the reason he's still working is because it's bringing him in a good income. Still living in the same house he's been in for donkey's years. So he hasn't moved up. And that's why there was this... I was watching this programme on the telly the other day, hosted by a woman called Cherry, I think. On BBC Three? Yes. And she's doing all these things. She's sort of like a bit of a yummy mummy. We've seen her trying to educate her, her child into eating. And it went all day. She could not get her little girl, who's about two to eat her food. She was trying to get her to eat something different. She wouldn't eat it. So she went all day, and every time she put the spoon up, the kid turned her head away. You know yeah. what kids are like? Nope, I'm not eating it. And this went all day, and it went on and on. In the end, even I'm losing the will to live. Until finally, at the end of the day, the kid is so ex- She said, we've gone 12 hours, and she's not eaten a thing. Didn't she get her to eat four mouthfuls or something? Well, it, eventually, the kid... She, she left this bowl sitting in front of her, and they're watching the television, and all of a sudden, the kid put her spoon <laughs> down... And so they're sitting there with a camera crew, remember, and the kid <laughs> puts a little bit in her mouth. And so she doesn't say anything. She just looks at the camera and goes, oh, my God, I can't believe she's eating. The other night she goes out with a group of girls from, well, I, I don't know wh- where they were from, but the idea was that these girls wanted to go out and they were on a mission to find rich men. 
so as boyfriends. So they go to trainers. The, <laughs> they went to a club to look at people's trainers, and so they made they a list. Expensive. These four <laughs> thick girls. They couldn't have been dumber. <laughs> the top of their list was Cristal. And Cherry dressed like them, didn't she? She, she had to dress like them to look yeah. a bit chavvy. Yeah. And so they go out to clubs. Well, these clubs, as she said afterwards, rich men wouldn't go to wouldn't these sort of clubs. Yeah, no, it was no. like your local Locarno, and they're looking yeah. at men's trainers. The people they're talking to look like the deadbeats that you find slumped around Leicester Square in the early hours of the morning. Yeah. But they, but they put Cristal. They didn't look as though they could afford to buy Cristal anyway, no. which is about four hundred quid a bottle in a club, hundred and fifty if you buy it locally. And then, and, th- and then she met this woman who loved spending money because she'd invented a potty. She invented a potty and she lived in Sandbanks. She lived in Sa- Well, no, she wanted to move to Sandbanks. Oh, she okay. didn't, but she was looked at an eight million pound house, and I thought you haven't got the money for this. Yeah. And so then potties. Cherry does the stupidest, dumbest thing. She wants to know what it's like to have lots of money, so she goes out to clothes shop and just picks everything up without looking at the price tag, and then saying how much, and it was 6,000. Yeah. And she goes, 6,000. I'm thinking, where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> but, but BBC Three is aimed at young people. Yeah. It is aimed at young people. She's Cherry Healy. She's, I, th- I like her, actually. She's been presenting Oh, of course you'll like her, because I don't. <laughs> it's par for the course. She did one of all about breastfeeding and about yeah. the pressure that midwives and, and so on put on young mothers to breastfeed. Yeah. And she, because she had her little baby, Coco, and I think the breastfeeding didn't really work, didn't really take to it, so she went, turned to the bottle which a lot of people do and i think personally i think that's absolutely fine but um but she was given a lot of grief and and from a lot of midwives for mm. doing so and she made a very interesting oh breastfeeding is always a great it. topic you can always guarantee if i mention i saw somebody breastfeeding in starbucks you know people the child's got to eat yeah. they always write they're very venomous oh, very no, venomous very i'm venomous sorry topic. it's my right to feed people feel very strongly great. my right to have sex in public places so yeah. there you go <laughs> let's do that as well shall we but there you go but basically she's taking issues and topics that affect young middle class BBC yeah. viewers and um, yes. and 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 telling you know telling their stories. It's quite interesting. Yes, it, it was interesting. Apart from these dumb girls going out on the town, and you only had to look at them to realise they didn't know how to do their makeup properly. No, they I didn't know. look as though they had any class. But all they wanted, because she said, "I want to find somebody rich who can who can p- and, and look after me." And so after she said, "But say it's some really old man, and you've got to." climb into bed with them at night and she said yeah but if, if he's treating me like like a princess and you think so quite clearly you will actually go with anybody it doesn't, as long as they've got money it doesn't it was the money that was a key thing no, well they all look like sort of failed big brother contestants don't they that sort of well i don't know judging by what we've got coming up in this uh, in well, these this, ones are meant to be celebrities up. yes in channel five this new one that starts yes. is it tomorrow Tomorrow I night. believe tomorrow, yes. Yeah, so we'll see just how ghastly it's going to be. It'd be very interesting to see whether it does well. I mean, the, the 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 sense out there is that there's a loyal four million or so people that were loyal to Big Brother and watched it every single time, mm. and those people are still around. I don't know whether they're not they doing are. streaming though on this one. Apparently, no, they're just doing the highlight show. Aren't yes, they? which so is hosted by little Jeff Brazier. Adjusting oh, that, dear and Lord. Brian Dowling's doing the Brian Dowling's doing the other thing. God, lesser of two evils, I think. Uh, Paul, the, uh, the the film is The Halfway House. I know I've ordered it, I said yesterday, with Mervyn and uh, Glynis Johns. He says, to be honest, I thought you would have had it in your Ealing box set. It's not in the Ealing box sets. That's the trouble. It's uh, it's a standalone film. I checked all the Ealing box sets. It is not. Uh, Noreen says uh, she's off to Southend today with a lovely oldies club. How, do you know, I could go to Southend for fish and chips and sit on the seafront mm. and then go on that ride called... The rage or something like that. <laughs> Not for you, Noreen, I hasten to add. And she says, can you wish Jonathan a happy birthday for Friday? Oh, that's very nice. Your Noreen. birthday, is it? It's my birthday on Friday. Good Thank Lord. You, much, you thought we'd forgotten, didn't you? <laughs> we tried desperately, but uh, no, we can't forget these things. And the Vulcan to the Sky Trust, the charity that operates the world's last flying Vulcan, they've got technical problems, so it's not going to be appearing problem with one of the fuel tanks uh, on the 18th of august at dawlish bournemouth and shoreham on the 20th and the 21st at bournemouth shoreham and fly to the past oxford 
So the Vulcan is not, because they've got a problem with one of the fuel tanks. So uh, I wish them well with that one. Nick Ferrari this morning. Tim Luckhurst, Professor of Journalism and the News Industry at the University of Kent, and the former editor of The Scotsman, will be looking through the papers. Uh, and Nick, phone hacking again, has come back and we forget. Nick will be wanting to know if it should take a sideline from government and police attention in, in the light of recent events. Should resources not solely be concentrated on the current social crisis, or is it important to make sure the hacking scandal doesn't fall by the wayside? He'll also be looking at the various ideas the government has had for those involved in the riots, including losing their social housing having to confront their victims, and the new scheme for National Citizen Service. Are these the right approaches to tackle the issues raised during the unrest? Because there was talk a while ago of taking away people's council houses, but we didn't think that would solve the problem, because you take away the council house and they're now homeless on the street, and they've got children, some of them have got very young children. What are they supposed They just sleep in a cardboard box? You can't take away the housing. No. You can take away benefits and get them actually working, because that would be a very good idea. If you've been rioting and looting and stealing, then you can get off your fat bottom and get out there and get a job. I don't care what it is, you get out there and you work your way up. You right know, way. like and everybody else has to. And there should be incentives and structures yes. and things and that if you get, and you can get various help and credits, you know, if you do certain things, uh, you know, it needs to be... But we hand be. out too many benefits in this country. It's too easy. People go out there, and, and we've seen people who, for years, have claimed serious amounts of money by inventing children, inventing disabilities, lying. The biggest, the biggest scam now with people coming into the country and claiming asylum and everything else is splitting up. Yeah. Because that way you get two houses. Yeah. And so you get one for the father and one for the mother. They haven't really split up. They're just doing it to get two houses, one of which can be rented out. They're now making that illegal to rent out... A property, if you get it from the council, you can't rent it out again. This government's clamped down a lot on the disability benefit sort of thing. 80% it, are not people. disabled enough to, to qualify for disability allowance. We see it all the time. People, you know, how, how long have you been claiming? Five years. But you're not disabled? No. But, uh, you know, I've got away with it. Mm. And that's, it's that easy. Quarter to seven is the time. News headlines with Sam Pittis. A British man has been killed by a shark while on honeymoon in the city. Twelve minutes to seven. Sad to hear, says Paul, the plight of Burt Reynolds. He's 75, married only twice to Judy Kahn, who's one of the laughing girls, I think, and Lonnie Anderson, who had that same strange, old-fashioned sort of... She just looked old before her time, I think. And I think the main problem is, like his British counterparts, is the way he was paid for films. TV actors fare much the same in Britain, for example. As Barbara said, on many occasions, the carry-on team weren't paid a fortune unless you were somebody like Chaplin, who owned the studio. You were on contract. Yeah. And you weren't, you know, five... I think Kenneth Williams, I'm sure, said he earned £900 a film for a carry-on, and he did it to pay his tax bill which was good. He said there are several US charities that look after actors, but nothing on the scale of our variety club. On the subject of diabetic, my dad is 82, still going strong, but always takes sweets and Lucozade with him in case uh, he goes hypo. And uh, as yet again, Mr Tweed will be visiting the grave with the photographers there. <laughs> yes, because he, he did that for a little while. This is Jack Tweed. Oh, what a... I know. He's been told by the judge to grow up. He's 24, but uh, mentally he's about five. His he's just a very... Bars and... He's just a very nasty piece of work. Yeah, really I mean, is, you'd think by now his parents would have given him a good slap round the back of the legs yeah. and say, you're just, you're just embarrassing. Yeah. Still lives at home at 24, so not really achieved anything, has he, really? And um, he says, lastly, saw Jedward without the hairstyle and their tops off. Sad, sadly, they nearly look normal. I did say to you last week, the only Big Brother Stuff 5 would show me the highlights is they don't have the facility for 24-hour live feeds. Right. So we have seen... In their latest video, they jump around in their pants. Right. 
not a pleasant sight. No doubt they'll be jumping around in their pants for weeks. In the well, I don't know if they're going to go in there because if they are, and Jordan's going to go in, and Kerry Katona, Kerry Katona hates Jordan. She's publicly criticised her, so that should be an interesting punch up. Jordan, Jordan would go into the Big Brother house. Well, now, unless she's she? desperate. Yeah. Unless she's desperate, and uh, and and then you've got Jedward jumping around like three-year-olds. You can only hope they actually put sort of something like night nurse in their last feed at night. And they just go to sleep because I, I can't imagine them being quiet or what they could ever talk about. So Big Brother starts on Thursday, and then on Saturday, do 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 the new generation X Factors back. Oh, it's not, is yeah, it? Yeah, this Saturday. Oh, thank God for ITV. They'll be they'll be yeah. delighted that they've got a program that can raise it from the doldrums. Saturday, the twentieth of August, X Factor begins. I think the live shows begin, I think, on the 8th of October or the week after, right. running up to Christmas. So, so, it's, so it, we'll have another Christmas number one. Yeah, no doubt. Gary Barlow, Chileza. He's being, being a bit mean, Kelly Gary. Rowlands. Yeah. And Louis Walsh. And Louis Walsh. Again. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be good. I'm excited about it. And they've got... You're um, naughty, really. I am excited about it. Yeah. This new but they've already been actually, filming yeah. them, haven't they? So what we're oh, going to be seeing... going on for ages. Yeah. They've been doing really well around the country, apparently, this yes, new... Yes, Dawn has been, I think. And Chileza's um, coming out very, very... It's very popular. Really? The new Cheryl Cole. And Gary, of course, will be criticised because they go, he's going to be mean. But as he said, I'm just being honest, and luckily Louis Walsh has said that he's, he's not going to be putting... Because Louis goes, you've, you know, he'll always come up with the same old lines. You yeah. know, you, you, you've definitely got star quality, whereas, in fact, we can see a mile off. They haven't. And, uh, and then he ends up managing them. And then Tiny Temper is going to oh, be yeah. in the judges' houses. He's going to do um, oh. boot camp. Boot camp. Yeah. How lovely. Somebody turned up to boot camp the other week, I believe, and it's another group from Manchester who've been booted off before because they've got a manager, and you're not allowed to be on if you've got a manager. So they no. turn up to boot camp auditions, and they went, have you still got the manager? They went, yes. They went, go home then. Right. So not going to happen there. I think the insurance company should put up a reward to shop looters on convictions. Yes. I quite agree with offering people. The, the trouble is that they don't actually need that at the moment because they've got so many calls to Crime Stoppers. It's literally the first time the phone lines have nearly melted with people identifying people who've uh, committed these crimes and everybody shopping them. So well, I'm, I'm very happy with that. Very happy. Uh, Neil's going into hospital for an operation, says Sue. Hope nothing trivial. I love, I love operations in hospital. I don't love them. I love other people telling me about their operations. I don't like myself an operation. I don't like the whole thing. They'll stand there all gowned up. Oh, I hated that. Hated that bit. It's quite frightening. It does look like a scene out of Animal Hospital, you know, with the lights come on, and there's people there going, I can't hear you. And you're lying there in a gown with no back on it and no pants on. Not pleasant at We've this time. We've talked about backless gowns. We've talked about backless gowns. Like it's not pleasant, not is pleasant, it? Pleasant, no. I don't know why they make you do it. I think so the nurses have a laugh when you walk through. Oh, have you seen Brad and Angelina around Richmond? I've, I've not. They, they phoned for a couple of. I said, "Listen, far too busy, kids." A bit busy. They were, they were shopping in Halfords in the Ivy Bridge Estate. <laughs> I don't know what they'd be buying in Halfords. You know, bikes you can buy in America. I assume it's a lovely house though that they're in, and that one in the vineyard. It's in the vineyard, is it? Yeah, it's in the vineyard. It's a beautiful house. Oh, right. Oh, that's right. Break the studio. <laughs> where is the? I don't know where the vineyard is. Sort of around Richmond Hill. Oh, right. If you sort of go up that little hill right. rise bit. Well, they actually um, commandeered a whole train the other day. Oh, oh yeah, there's a, there's a there's picture. There's pictures of in them a, in this train. In the, in the, yeah, a whole train to Glasgow. Yeah. You, you can apparently do that if you have loads of money. Wow. You, you, you can actually go out there and say, I, I would like to take a whole train out, and they go, you certainly can. Uh, Ron of Greenwich has sent me a picture of a spider walking across his living room floor. I used to keep a can of hairspray. I used to have this house that um, it, 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 had, it was sort of... It wasn't a garden flat, it was a house, but you used to get insects that came in, which used to frighten the life out of me. You'd be watching television, and I used to have a lovely green twist carpet, and a spider would walk across it, and I'd see it out the corner of my eye. So very quietly, I would get the hairspray, and I would go... <laughs> so it would, it would freeze. 
mid-movement, and then I could put a glass over the top of it and go and take it outside into the garden. Oh, so does the hairspray not hurt it? it just no, it just froze its legs for a minute. It would slow down. It was, it was quite uh, interesting to watch, because I've got a fear about spiders climbing yeah. over me, like most people. Ugh. And then you see spiders having babies, and there'll be hundreds of little tiny spiders. Ugh. And they're all over the place at the moment because of the, uh, the mornings changing. This the competes weather. with the wasp's nest. Competes with the wasp's exactly. All this stuff we don't, we don't like. Uh, 84850, uk. Prince um, Harry's being ribbed by his... Uh, Prince William's being ribbed by Harry for pounds on the pounds as he settles into married life. Future King's being dubbed as Teletubby because of his cuddly paunch. Oh. I didn't think he's... You think he's going to look tubby? I don't think he looks tubby. He says, William's very content as a married man. has been enjoying his food and putting on a few pounds. Do you think she cooks? What shall we have tonight? Fish fingers? <laughs> you can't, do you think they have normal food? Do you think they have some bust-in or something? I don't know. Jiggy said, can we have a yoghurt for pudding? <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a treat. A yoghurt. <laughs> oh, yes, fruit corner. I bought a fruit corner the other day. It's called Lazy Man's Way of Doing It because they can't be bothered to put it in the blooming thing. So you have to spoon it over. From I bought cherry fruit corner. Which I thought was very exciting. Would a curfew keep kids off the streets? No, it wouldn't. No. How are the police going to control that? Groups of kids on the street? Oh, no, it's never work. Never work, I don't think. Apparently, Alicia Dixon says she will defend herself from Bruno Tonioli when Strictly Come Dancing returns after he almost caused a wardrobe malfunction. She said last year, I think a boob nearly fell out. He pulled me a few times, he nearly pulled my hair out. Oh, dear. It's a bit tacky, isn't it, I'm afraid? I did watch the... Um, the uh, Gino DeCampo and Melanie Sykes programme again the other day. I haven't been watching that. It's dreadful. Going, She's it? dreadful. She's oh, dreadful. I mean, it's, and I keep laughing at his accent. I don't know why. He's still a talker like this. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely spoke like... And I th- kept thinking, but you've lived here all your life. Why yeah. do you sound like this? I take it seriously, isn't it? Well, we are totally convinced. I'm convinced in this business that he goes off screen and goes, God, that went all right, didn't it, love? Yeah. I'm convinced he talks like that. Yeah. Could be quite funny. Jim Davidson, as I say, good news, banned from the road. And, um, evil, uh, Brady, Ian Brady, has been given £8,500 worth of taxpayers' cash so he can bankroll his legal fight to starve himself to death. We're actually paying for that. I find it, uh, find it unbelievable. Donald Nielsen has managed to collect 11000 Dennis Nielsen, 65000 and Jeremy Bamber, 91000 As I said here, evil Brady gets 8000 legal aid to fight for his right to die. I think you know my uh, my thoughts on uh, that one. There's the Norwegian massacre monster Anders Breivik. Unbelievable. Killed 20 more victims after cops ignored his attempts to surrender by phone, it's claimed yesterday. There he was. Did you see him on the news? Yes. Simulating what he did. And yes. now I saw these other four and I killed them. I mean, yes. it was just... I mean, you're almost dealing with somebody who was so mentally ill that there's no answer to him at all. He was, I think he's revelling in the publicity and they seem to be quite calm taking him out everywhere. Yeah. Sadly, no more time. Oh. I'm afraid, this morning. Lots in the papers today, wasn't there? There is, there's, a, there's a lot of stories in the papers today. Also, the fact that uh, the Tories have talked tough on crime after the riots, but the Mirror are revealing that 18,000 cops and support officers are facing the axe, 181 police stations are closing, and 16,500 civilian backup staff are to be fired. It's not good enough. Thank you, Jonathan, very much indeed. Thank you very much. Have a very week. happy birthday for Friday. Thank you. I'm sure that uh, you will be getting everything you so desire. Be weird being 22. It's awful, isn't it, really? I mean, I've yet to achieve it, so I'll let you know what it's like. Well, you let me know what it's like when you get there, and I'll, uh, I'll catch up later. We're back with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget to go to the LBC website, please, lbc.co.uk, and you can podcast the programme, you can read the blog later on, and check out all the, uh, the pictures over the goings-on, plus the Angels, the theatrical costumier, which are on there as well. Nick and the team with you after the news at seven.
with a whole variety of topics, including taking away the council houses of people convicted of rioting. Before all of that, the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing up seven points at 